wonderful how are you i'm great look at look how bright and cheery you are on this tuesday evening can't beat it come on this is wonderful um i'm great i'm great all right anyways this is the stuff summer says podcast with steve steve are you a ph or a ven or are you just steve i'm a ven ven okay. i was just curious I was, I was thinking about that the other day and i didn't know i feel like most stevens with a ph keep it and then go the full steven that's probably true that's that's probably i don't know that's a nice generalization we'll say it's true okay all right that's why uh, that's why you pay on, me on your big... focus group of one focus group of, of one and the only I, I the only other steve slash steven that i know is the phen so there you go there you go um okay well we've got a, a lot to, to discuss this week on the show. We've got, of course, the Super Bowl. Now that football season's over, truly over, we can be extra sad and depressed. Um, got a sh- random smattering of Penn State stuff. Um, just a couple topics that I'm going to hit on. Um, bugging your mind, bugging my, my mind. And then um, want to discuss... Uh, Sean McVay news, sort of not news, news, nor not news, um, I think is interesting and a topic that I brought up with you a while back uh, that I just want to expand on. And then other than that, um, we'll go, uh, we'll go do old guy, young guy. You ready? Okay. Sure. All right. Um, Steve, I assume that you much like 90 some other million people in this country watch the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, from the football game perspective, did you enjoy the game? Yeah, it was a competitive game. I don't know if they were suit they played super well, but the teams were it wasn't a blowout. Um, I don't know that it was super compelling. I didn't have a, a strong rooting interest or rooting against interest. But yeah, it was competitive and okay. I don't know that it was the best football ever played in the Super Bowl or the best football in this postseason. But it was a close game and it 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 had its moments, I guess. I felt like to me they like played to nobody screw up. Like that was kind of sort of how they played. Like it wasn't there were a couple of trick plays here or there, but there wasn't a lot of aggressive shots or anything like that. And kind of just took advantage of when a mistake happened type thing. Uh, but yeah, I was I was enjoying the game there for a while. I thought that the Rams really were going to run away with it, and I was like, oh, all right, what else is on um, type thing. <laughs> funny story about that real quickly is is uh the super bowl that the that the broncos played out in san francisco most recently uh maybe super bowl 50 uh at this point i can't remember exactly which one that super bowl was we watched at my my apartment in college and the game was so boring that we ended up on our second tv that we had set up watching a car chase and so now there's a group of friends that every Super Bowl Sunday, we all text each other. May, may your Super Bowl be more enjoyable than the one when we watched the car chase. Wait, wait, wait. Where did you, where do you find a car chase? Just like some random car it chase? Was, it was like on Twitter, 
someone was like, this is far more interesting than the football game. And it was this guy, I think he was out in LA or something. And he went on this massively long car chase during the Super Bowl, basically. And so that was, that was, that was the best. That was, it's truly one of my better college memories. Uh, it's a weird one, but um, anyways, yeah, I thought the game was fine. I, I feel like I bewildered you with that the car chase thing yeah it's, it's in where you find one like my car chase is, is oj simpson from the u.s open so i just didn't you know everybody had that one but i just didn't know where you find a random car chase on super bowl sunday so there you go um so there's that um from the let's let's talk about it from the broadcasting perspective i thought nbc did a fine job it, it wasn't the most impressive job i don't think it was bad i don't think they did anything really wrong um i love the new score bug a lot of people seemed like they didn't like it but i i liked it it's very simple it's not as loud and in your face as the college basketball one on fox is and i like that it's just a different look for nbc i am slightly interested to see what they do with other sports um i know they don't have the nhl now but they have the premier league they've got some other sports that they show on USA um, and, and what they do there with that. Um, so I, but I thought that was nice. Uh, I still think it's absolutely ridiculous that in 2022 now we can't watch the Super Bowl in 4k. Um, and as a couple of people pointed out, you could watch a Providence, a big, big East, basically a big East basketball game on, on Sunday you could watch in 4k, but you couldn't watch the Super Bowl. And to me, that just feels absolutely bizarre. And I, I don't understand why. Uh, so that, that was my biggest gripe of, of Sunday's television production. Yeah. And they didn't even have like an end zone. Usually they have like a random 4k camera in the end zone, right. To get a reaction. Cause you can yeah, just tell the, the look is better. Point. And, and they, I didn't see that shot at all. Um, I thought the score bug was, was good and clean. I didn't know until it had changed possessions possession once or twice. And the clock ran down for a second there. I thought that the center part that was white and then indicated which team had the ball because it was whiter on the side that the team that had the ball for a second there. I thought that was maybe a clock inside and it was going to clock spin down as it tucked down to, but it wasn't that it was just possession. Um, Yeah. I think fine is what it was. Um, I I think they missed even on the opening drive that was Cincinnati's opening drive. They had that pass down the sideline where the, the receiver was defended before the play and then caught the ball. I didn't have possession until afterward and got up and leaned forward, got a little like four or five more yards, but they ruled him down by contact at the first spot. And it didn't come up as a discussion. Like he just had to be paying attention to know, well, he didn't get those five extra yards. I, I just thought that was a little nuanced that in terms of rules that, that kind of set the stage for them the whole day. They just weren't, I don't know, man, whoever their guy is, Terry McCauley wasn't there, wasn't called upon. And then late in the game, it just became, there was some silliness with a couple, at least the holding call on the one crossing pattern. And there was just nobody there to point it out or question it, which I just, it felt like it was missing because that kind of stuff happens in the regular season. Yeah, I was, uh, I, it didn't dawn on me until you texted me about that. And that was pretty late in the game at that point, because that was after the, um, I forget the Jamar chase touchdown where he pulled Jalen Ramsey's face mask (laughs) and, Later on in the game, there really weren't that many penalties, so there wasn't a whole ton to talk about. But that last drive, there was a lot. Um, and you had texted me and said, "Hey, where's the where's the rules official or rules expert analyst?" 
And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, he just didn't kind of notice it. Um, so I thought that was weird. I, re- I really did, especially for the magnitude that is the Super Bowl, especially for a game where if you're like the Super Bowl is if you're going to make a, a football fan interested, the Super Bowl is going to be the one chance you do that where and you're going to have a lot more casual, casual fans watching that don't necessarily know all of the rules. Um, you know, why is that a penalty? What, why wasn't that a penalty? Vice versa, you know, why did they call it that way? I think that was just a missed, a major missed opportunity um, there for me. But yeah, I, I thought Al, Al Michaels was was great. I think he, he really can shine in the right moment. Um, you could tell that he's done at NBC, I think, between his comments at the very beginning. He, he like subtly said, like, slide in here for one more time to Chris Collinsworth. And he said something after the game said, basically, thank you to, to, um, to Chris Collinsworth and everybody else at NBC. Um, so I think he is going to go to Amazon. I think that makes the most sense. Probably I would much as I'd like to see him go to ABC ESPN. Uh, but I thought Al Michaels was fine. And you know what? I thought Chris Collinsworth was not annoying. Like I, I, I <laughs> wasn't annoyed by him and usually I am. Yeah, I, I, and he's not. I know a lot of people will say they're annoyed. He doesn't bother me as much. I mean, I think the relationship thing with Pro Football Focus and him in the seat that he's in and, and that broadcast, you know, the the relationship there bothers me as much as his as his work does. Just that his company is the one whose stats they use and, and make reference to a lot. Um, but no, I thought it, I thought it was a fine broadcast. I don't think it's it's hard for for me to to think of broadcasters who consistently make games better or worse. Um, and, and that was a discussion I had, the people we were watching with, you know, I mean, I appreciate all that John Madden and I think he, he fits, but like Tony Romo, I don't think anybody's tuning in for games because Tony's doing them. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't understand the, the money spent on analysts and, and that piece and the investment there. Because I just, I, there's just no analytics, no numbers to prove to you that more people watch the number one game on the network because of a guy, they watch it because it's the number one game on a network. Steve, um, let's save that conversation for later. It's, it's a, I'm waiting. It's, a, I'm it's an upcoming segment, okay? Nobody told me, man. I don't know what's Oh, yeah. Well, the patients. Um, You're talking to the wrong person. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. And, uh, the other thing that was weird to me, I thought they were going to do more for Michelle Tafoya. Not that, like, they want to make it, like, into a thing. But if you didn't know that that was her last game, you might not have known that that was her last game. Um, I thought that was interesting and weird at the same time um, was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. And I, I think again, familiar face people know, and it, it'll be an abrupt change to, to the, the successor who got some airtime as well. So yeah. And I think at any time that's, that's when you do this stuff with the Super Bowl. they had a couple pauses, they had the pause, which we didn't, which I didn't know what it was until I saw some social media that someone got on the field at one point during the game. And there was a, there was a break, there was a pause where they were in the booth talking for a while. I'm like, what are they waiting on? And clearly it must have been that while someone was on the field, they made no reference to it, like somebody running down the field. Um, so you have those times where you could have got some information from somebody or something to show that they were there and you had more than the two guys in the booth. But it was, you had the right word. I think it was fine, you know. Yeah, I think that's about where I'm at with those. It was fine. Um, did you catch any of the pregame? What time did you tune in? Uh, we were early, early. So like we didn't watch noon, but we were like two to – four or so and then back again right before the game so early because i I mentioned that collinsworth highlights got shown 
pregame at like whatever it was, three o'clock, three thirty. They were showing his highlights from the Super Bowl game, so I saw that piece. Um, I, I didn't see all of it. I saw a little bit of the interview with the president. How much? How much did you watch? Were you watching the whole thing? Uh, we tuned in at about three thirty. We were we we were finishing CSI. Okay. We've been we, we were binging CSI. We finished CSI. The reason I asked was I I do think one thing that I've seen a couple of people point out that was surprising and good in a good way or surprising in a good way was the, the they had a very lengthy discussion on the the race and Brian Flores and and kind of all of that and the diversity you know challenges that the league faces with with the head coaching position. I was kind of surprised that they did that because in a way, somewhat NBC is somewhat sort of state media for the NFL. Uh, Not maybe as much as like a NFL network is, um, but they still kind of sort of work at the hands of the NFL in terms of the content they get. And it was a very frank discussion. And I thought that was, it was Great, and I wish they would have saved it for a little bit later in the afternoon. I think that's fair. I, I, I think both counts. I wish it would have been later, and I think you're right about who they are and what they usually do. And, and I remember that segment. I saw parts of it because it struck me. The media, the, the media piece that struck me was, oh, there's Michael W. Smith. I wondered where he went when he left ESPN. He must work. He works for he works for NBC somewhere. Then I never see him anymore. Um, but I know he has a voice in those subjects, and he was a good, powerful voice to me among those who were talking. Yeah. I, I just thought it was a good segment for them to have because it was like, it was nice. Unlike, I don't think NBC's done with this with the Olympics, but I think I feel like a lot of the Olympics is like, we just like ignore the bad. And I think ignoring the bad is not good. And they weren't ignoring the bad there. And I think that that, that came through for sure. The only Olympic bad, no, the, the Olympic bad we embrace, right. Is, is Russian problems or somebody else doing something wrong. Right. We don't very often do it with, with, you know, U.S. athletes doing wrong or even U.S. athletes struggling, you know, you know, God forbid the, the camera stay on Michaela Schifrin, you know, 10 more seconds longer than it should have after she fell the second time. You know, Steve people are up fired up about Michaela Schifrin. I'm not. No, I, I, I think I understand why people probably complain. I also don't think it's the toughest piece of media coverage any Olympic athlete has ever faced. But in our new, you know, mental well, health awareness days, like we, we can't say, oh, you had a bad day and ask questions or have the camera on them too long. So that's all. It was just, it's just different what they do at the Olympics, right? As you were talking about state media for the NFL. The NBC feels NBC, the Olympics feels a lot more state media than NBC NFL. Right. Like it, it really does. Like it, it, you can tell that the NBC NBC is, is not trying to, piss people off basically basically with the olympics and, and in some and the nfl has to be a more valuable property right i mean at least on a consistent basis you have them every year it's not every four years viewership is waning for that product as opposed to the one you have every year so that's an interesting approach not that you, you need to go hard on them but it's just interesting that they don't take a different tax slightly and maybe some more people would be engaged but maybe that ship has sailed yeah, NBC pays $7.75 billion until, and this was in 2020 or 2014, to pay to watch the Olympics until 2032. Uh, let's see what they pay for the NFL. $1.7 billion a year. Um, and that's just for Sunday Night Football. 
So I don't know how long. 11. Yeah, it was a 11 years. So that's 105, 107 billion dollars for, for the NFL. I can definitely understand why. Um, oh, that's a lot of money. Um, real quickly, and I know we're getting sidetracked here off of football stuff, but did you see, speaking of the state media thing, and I think one of the reasons why this moment was so surprising, did you see the analyst in the halftime, or not halftime, halfpipe contest basically lose it on the judges? Yes. I thought that was very interesting because it would just, like you said, it was like one of those surprising moments of, of oh, this guy's kind of doing this, and he, yep. he kind of sort of is along for the ride here, not necessarily as much, but I don't know. I feel like, as you said, for the most part, Olympics people are uh, you you get to do this once every once in a lifetime type thing. Just happy for the attention yeah. too, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some of those sports for sure. Um, okay. Anything else you want to discuss on the media aspect there? No. no? I've been told okay. to wait about other stuff, so I'm waiting patiently. Yeah, you, you wait about the other stuff. Um, commercials. What did you think of the commercials? Oh, I didn't bring my list. I thought they were generally good. I was surprised with it, but really? everybody that... I, I mean, E-Trade Baby was good. E-Trade Baby pay, was funny. The payoff of the tease they had been doing the couple weeks before. Um, oh, I missed for, that tease. Yeah, like they had had it like the week before, like coming this week, like they had people calling from a boardroom looking for help. And oh, I wonder if we're going to wake them up and you see a baby monitor and then they put the date up. So I thought that was a payoff of the tease. The Toyota thing with the brothers at the start of the game, right? There's your heartfelt you know, doing it for doing it for family and friends and Toyota loves a sob story kind of thing. That one was okay to start the game with. The other, um, to- the other, that one was good and emotional and Toyota's kind of sort of done that lately. But the, the other Toyota commercial at halftime was, was great. The keeping up with the Joneses one. That's what I'm saying. That, that, that was, was the- that one was great. That was probably my number one commercial. Yeah. Um, the NFL's thing. Then that was in the pregame show too, with the making of the yeah. animation things. That was a cute little NFL league sponsored thing. Um, I, I don't think they were. I mean, there's a, there's some that always don't hit. The the one with the fiery hot Doritos and stuff with the animals, kind of cute, kind of a flash flashback of the Bud Light frogs or the Budweiser frogs kind of thing with the talking <laughs> animals. That was that wasn't bad. So I, I didn't think they were as bad across the board as it looked like some other people as some other people did. Yeah, they're just I, I don't know. There wasn't a lot that really stood out to me. I think the Toyota one did. I think that the Sopranos one did, um, just because I, I like the speculation. I, I haven't finished the Sopranos, but I know what happens. And so, spoiler, if you're, you're listening to this, I did like the speculation of people being like, is this reality or is this the Sopranos reality of them, you know, re-meeting, which means that they made it out of the restaurant alive, which I thought was very interesting. Um I thought that one was good, and that's about it. That like the that, goats was cute. It was different with all the little it was, goats. It, I, I, the goat thing in general has been overplayed on me, though. Um, yeah, I maybe I'm being that. nitpicky there, but I, Dolly Parton, right, doing the 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 the, <laughs> the fundraising thing for 4G or whatever it was. The be- honestly, the commercial that made me laugh the hardest was the Willie, and I don't know if you saw this, because it was way after the game. Like It was like the second commercial break after the trophy presentation. 
was Willie Nelson came on and was talking about legalizing it. And I, I honestly forget what the product was because I was laughing so hard at, at Willie talking about legalizing it. And the guy was like, no, it's already legal. I don't, I totally am blanking on what the product was. Yeah, I forget um, too, but I saw it because I had the shirt. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And I think I respect the companies. Like I've seen a couple E-Trade babies over basketball games or something the past night or two, or maybe the Olympics. That's what it was, the Olympics last night. Like I don't understand spending it all and never showing it again. For some mm -hmm. of those that only show up mm -hmm. once, I think if it's half decent, go ahead and you've already created it, use it again. Um, and I think the Olympics has helped people reuse them. But I thought they were okay. I didn't think they were, I don't know. I didn't there's think nothing were, iconic. No, maybe, no, probably not. But there's there weren't any super bomb, the crypto thing, right? With the bouncing QR code, like whatever that was, might've been. Did you not get that reference? I got it. It just took me a while. Like I'm not, okay. that, you know, it just, you know, it just, whatever. It was a commercial. Uh, Willie Nelson did a commercial. It was for Skechers. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. was. Skechers shoes. There you go. Uh, She's the smartest man in the world with the, with the Google web at your fingers. I tell you. Um, all right. Lastly, the halftime show. What did you think, Steve? It was well produced. Although if you were sitting behind the stage in the stadium, it probably <laughs> had wasn't that, that much fun. Thought. Right? Had that exact thought. I mean, everything played to the one side. It's like the high school band at your whatever. Um, yeah, like it was well produced. It was, it was good. It touched all the spots it was supposed to touch. It wasn't the best halftime performance performance ever. Might have been one of the better halftime shows, but it wasn't the best halftime performance. Um, and, and when the, and when it's over, that that's overhyped. I'm, I get especially with singing stuff. You're looking at people to see who's actually singing. Like I'm not sure if it was all live or not, right? Like, and that's always something that comes into those big things with that when there's so much going on. There was what, at one point, I was wondering if Mary J. Blige was singing. And then I think I realized that she was. And there was maybe a moment with Eminem too, but then I realized it was Eminem. Um, so I thought about it. And I said, I don't know if it was better than Prince, but it was definitely the best one since Prince. And I think that is where I'm at with it. I don't I think, think anything will top Prince for right now, but I just think that that was very, it was just very quality good. Like I'm going to remember that halftime show. I remember the Prince halftime show, even though I was in eighth grade or something like that. I think I forget what year that exactly was. Um, there are certain halftime shows that you forget about, like, we were discussing the Katy Perry one and we totally forgot about left shark, the whole left shark thing. Mm. How that was a thing for a solid year. Yep. Um, I totally forgot about the lady Gaga halftime show. Didn't even completely blank the other day until I read it the other day. that The red hot chili peppers did one. I will remember that halftime show for quite a long time. Um, I have to say though, I was, uh, I was very surprised that 50 cent was the, person who showed up as the sort of surprise um i was expecting the tupac hologram i really the was. hologram well and they floated that and sold it a little bit right and gave you a little swerve by not being that way um i really thought maybe ice cube was going to come out and they were going to do an nwa song um you know straight out of compton something uh but it's you can't not have I just like I said, you can't have not have Snoop Dogg do the halftime show, the Super Bowls in LA. You just can't. No, I think it was the right call, and I think it was probably well past the right time, right? 
for 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 hip hop and rap to, to get that kind of presence. Um, and it's always tough from the NFL. I, you know, like the, the NFL needs any pity, but it's always tough trying to figure out what's going to work in there and and, and who's going to keep viewers' attention or maybe even attract a few more viewers' attention and who you can sell to whoever your audience is now. Because I'm not exactly sure, you know, if they know who their audience is all the time. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. I'm interested to see what they choose next year. I will say it is has been a while since they've done a country one, but outside of Garth Brooks, is there a country singer that appeals to the masses no. that has the energy level to do a Super Bowl? Not the energy level. Luke Combs, would, but you know, has had like what a dozen number one songs in a row, or some crazy thing like that. But he stands there and sings, right? It's not going to be right. something you have you to, know, put unless they have him singing a show and Evil Knievel's grandson jumping over top of him while he's singing <laughs> or something. Like <laughs> that's just not going to work. They bring out like a fake Grand Canyon since dinner. So. Exactly, exactly. Well, it is. That's true. Uh, okay. Anything else you want to add about the Super Bowl? No, I thought it was. It was good. Even it moved along pretty well, pretty quickly, which was nice. That's the biggest thing. Somebody you know? else pointed that out that like the Super Bowl was quicker than most college football games. Yeah, no, and that, that was wonderful. That that made it not feel, even though the the they were playing like they didn't want to lose at times, or it felt like that. At least they were playing and getting the getting it moving along. It was. It didn't feel like everything was being interrupted, and maybe we missed some stuff. Like I thought the, although they have NFL honors now, right? The Hall of Fame guys, you know, you see them on the sideline coming out of like the second commercial or whatever. And I thought, Oh, those guys kind of got short shrift, but they had NFL honors two nights before. So they don't need to get it all on the TV show. I don't think. And it was good to keep it moving. Yeah. I don't really have many complaints. The rock thing was good. Could have been funnier maybe, or it was, know, funnier. It was a little long. Like he, he long. could cut. He, if there was anybody that could cut a promo in WWE, he was he was up there for a while. Not that yeah, I, I think. Kind of WWE, I think it could have worked but... without introducing the teams, like a little background of the team. Like if he'd have just brought him back to Los Angeles, and here it is, and not giving you a little narrative about each team before they introduced them. If they would have scripted that differently and just introduced the two teams, here's your AFC champion, here's your NFC champion, and something there. That that's where it seemed to belabor a little bit was disappointed we didn't get a can you smell what the rock is cooking uh, so i'm saying if he cleaned up some of that other junk he could have could have done some cooking exactly yeah yeah um okay moving on got a got a couple things to discuss penn state wise um one thing that just happened related to what we're about to talk about is micah shrewsbury has been handed his first technical foul as penn state basketball head coach and I think I'm not watching the game right now, uh, but I think some of his frustration, anger, is very fascinating to me because at this point, we started to realize that this is not a coaching problem. This is a Penn State problem, but it's not really Penn State's fault. I... I Look, I think refs are, for the most part, impartial. I think they do a great job for the most part. But boy, when you look at the statistics, boy, when you think about the calls that Penn State has or hasn't gotten over the past few years, especially not, let's just keep this to basketball. I'm not going to include football. This is about basketball. Uh, I think 
that if Penn State basketball was a little bit better, they probably could fix some of these calls issues. Do you? Uh, oh, I think I think the. You think that's what it is? I, I think oftentimes the le- the least less aggressive team gets beat up in the fouls, and that's not what Penn State's doing. They're an aggressive team. They're playing hard, but I think reputation plays into it. Yeah. I think refs. You know, they may not be biased, but they're like, well, shit, Penn State, they're average at best. So that must have been not, that's not a foul, right? Or that, I mean, I, I just think that stuff happens. Um, and, and I think it's true. And I think Coach Shrewsbury is going through something that Coach Chambers went through in his first or second year too, the same realization and going to fight for his team and have their back. That's this feels part like, of it. It's, it's this feels like an Ed, Ed Cellis thing even yes. though back then. Like the I just and I'm think, sure Park Hill had it in the early '90s in the first couple of seasons or whatever it was. Like I just, or no, it just or not Park Hill because he wasn't there. Sorry, I'm thinking he got out. But like, yeah, like the coaches with the reputations, they've got to earn that, unfortunately. And, and and it's not something they should have to earn. It should be here's the foul and here's not the foul, and yeah. that's the way it's playing out. And I understand that's how it works. So I sometimes don't get very fired up about it. But it's interesting to me the people who really get fired up about it. I mean, I think the coach should, but we've seen it. His comment was really interesting because I think for a lot of people, at least that really follow Penn State basketball, it was like, yeah, this is welcome. Like this, now you're here. Like, welcome to the club. Like, now it's like interviewing somebody after they've been in a job six months. What have you found out about the job they didn't tell you? Well, I yeah. found out I'm not getting any calls. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that was that. I don't really have anything else to say about that. I just thought that was interesting. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up at our or rundown pitch. Um, the other Penn State thing that uh, interesting to discuss that I've never really thought about, never really cared about. I feel like a lot of other people care about is this Penn State football opening the season or opening the Big Ten season on the road. Steve's going. I could, I could care less. Every year the media gets this story. Every year Steve Jones points it out. They're starting on the road again in the Big Ten. Okay, well, tell me how many times they finish at home in the Big Ten. Like, if you're going to give me both, give me that. Give me they're playing the same number of home games. I mean, honestly, it's a compliment. The crappy teams in the Big Ten or mid-level teams in the Big Ten, maybe not Wisconsin last year, but they want a good game on the at home when they're starting the season, and it's Penn State. I don't think it's any kind of. I don't know. It's not a punishment. It's not a, we think less of you. It just, that's how the schedule falls. And I appreciate that the schedule makers are humans, just like the officials are. So maybe you want to make that point, but you play a certain number of road games, you play a certain number of home games, just, just go out and win them and don't whine. I, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, I think with me, like, especially most years, last two years have been different, but most years it's, you don't you're playing non-conference games and then you get to your first home the first big 10 game usually right and also i think maybe some of this is not intentional per se but i think some of this is the punishment for not having a thursday host wanting to host thursday or friday night games which i don't think they should nope but that's if at some point you've got to give and take um, right there and and no. so this is if this is the trade-off i'm fine with it and i'm excited going to go to the west lafayette and check out a thursday night game in person why not i'm excited to hear some trains and see a very large drum that's right i forgot about the drum that's right the, the drum is neat it's 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 neat 
It's nothing like it's so big it doesn't fit in the Notre Dame Stadium. I know that. I mean, it is it is a very large drum, but the 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 train that leads them onto the field is is far cooler. Um, But I'm also from the former railroad capital of the world. That's true. Not not current former. I don't know what the current was. That was my course. Go say who holds the crown now. Let's Google that one there. Um, anything else you want to discuss, Penn State wise? No. Okay. <laughs> Steve's googling. I think Steve is googling right now with the world capital world, of the world. world is. Um, Sorry, I type louder than you do. No, that's okay. That's okay. I have a quiet keyboard. Chicago, hate... perhaps. I don't know. That seems like an easy thing, but it, there's lots of trains there when you fly in. I know that. That's true. That's true. All right, moving on. So this was a topic that I had sniffed a few weeks ago that I I wanted to bring up, and I I just find it very fascinating. Um, Sean McVay just won the Super Bowl. His contract with the Rams is up, or he's due for an extension at least this season. And today, apparently, he was a little noncommittal that round. Um, about whether or not he was coming back next season. And it's not just a couple of hints, inklings at this, but some people tend to think that Sean McVay might just say, I'm done with coaching. I've won a Super Bowl. What else is there more to achieve? And why don't I go make double the money to spend three hours every Sunday talking on the television? And I have to say, I can't blame him. Yeah, it'd be a wise decision, right? I mean, and and this this is the year to make that decision. If I mean, maybe maybe he's holding up for some leverage in the negotiations, but NBC is going to change its team. We think we know what they're going to do with what they have available. What if, what if the most recent Super Bowl winning coach is available? ESPN and ABC or ESPN ABC has to figure out what it's going to do with its team because it's going to get in the Super Bowl rotation, and everybody seems to think. That team's not great, and I don't know what's going to happen with Lewis Riddick. I don't know that there's anything official here, there or not yet, but that team may have some shakeups. Sean McVay is a very – he's already a pitchman with Campbell's Soups. You know, he's hes telegenic. He, see, he seems like he'd be good on TV. He's going to be a popular choice to, to for somebody if he's available, and I'd respect him if he did that because it, it is a more family-friendly schedule. I mean, you're still going on the weekends – but you're going on the weekends, you know, 16 times a year or maybe 12 or 14, depending on how it plays out and, and how you fly. So, yeah, that's what he really wants to do. I, I hope that, that that's what he does. Yeah, I, I just I just think it makes more sense. But in, it, from the coaching perspective for him, and I think uh, Sean Payton's a little bit different in this, but for him – the door does isn't closed. Like, and I don't think Sean Payton's door is closed either. I'm, I'm being a coach again. Even if he goes goes and does this for two, three years, and then gets that itch again to go coach, at least then he's taking a little bit of break mentally in terms of of being constantly thinking about football from probably July until you know this year February, mid February, and and I think that's that's tough and wears down on a person. I mean, and also to be point blank. You look at it, Mike Tomlin makes $8 million a year. Tony Romo's CBS salary is 17 and a half per year. 
Steve, are you going to pick 17 and a half or are you going to pick eight? What, what would you choose there? I'm picking the bigger one. And I'm also telling you that, that Mike Tomlin puts more people in seats than, than Tony Romo puts puts on behind TV sets or in front of TV sets. <laughs> like I, I just, it boggles the mind. But yeah, and look at McVay. I mean, he if he goes, well, look at Gruden, I guess, as a model for McVay. You're gone for a decade. Everybody, every opening. That's a good oh, point. You want to come back out? Do you want to come back? McVay would be the hottest free agent every year. And meanwhile, he's spending... 16 weekends a year picking the brains of people he's going to coach about. That's a really like good a coach point. again. Hey, how you so he's not going to get out of the loop of information. He's going to stay just as well informed. He's going to have meetings with league officials every year and actually game officials to talk about rules and whatever else as they do their seminars for the broadcast teams. So he's not going to know any less football or be any less exposed. And he'll get out of that grind of the week weekday stuff and the the agents and the players and the egos and whatever else in some ways and and can think about it. And if he enjoys TV, great. And he'll say, no, 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 stiff arm that the contract negotiations that somebody's trying to leverage him for a job every couple of years. And maybe he comes back or maybe he does, is John Madden and decides to make a career out of it. And if he turns out to be half decent, that'd be great for him. Yeah. I, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, it's really a no brainer. I just think that workload is so much better. I think the, the money is better clearly. And I think, like you said, it's not like the door closes, you know, just don't send bad emails. I think right. that right. solves the problem. Exactly. Um, I, you know, I think I'm interested to see, I think Sean Payton will get the job. So we'll get a job. If the, the general theory is how Michaels and Troy Aikman will go to Amazon and, and do the Thursday night game. And then that leaves the Fox job open, which would be Sean Payton's to fill. Now that either, leaves the cbs role or the um the abc espn job and i think it's going to make more sense slash espn is going to shill out more especially if they're going to have a super bowl that we have a super bowl winning head coach here's here's your here's your analysis in the super bowl from a super bowl winning head coach who i think for the most part especially that last drive called a fairly good game you know the 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 Bengals just played well um so i think i think he ends up at espn that's, that's and they have platforms to create other shows i mean again gruden with with his his quarterback camp stuff and the interviews with people that you know grew from a couple segments on sports center to its own little show like they can do those kind of things they can find a platform for whether it's a podcast or some piece of expertise and they do six or eight episodes as another way to say oh we'll pay you for this too so I think there's all kinds of ways that it just, it'll make more sense financially, but you know, if his passion is coaching and he's using this as leverage, that'll then God bless him for being smart enough and people are buying into it. But it does feel like if you, you're really seriously considering it, this would be the year just because there's other dominoes falling and doors opening that you could, you can maybe get into that you might not be able to find next year. Plus you just want a Super Bowl. What else do you have to accomplish? Right. You know? You're not going to be hotter at coming out next year, no matter what. And I think that's why Aaron Donald should, should, and, is going to retire i think is is what else do you have to accomplish you know yep Why? so let me ask let me ask this well and i mean i guess he hasn't expressed an interest in it and he's a defensive lineman why why wouldn't aaron and donald be a great analyst somewhere even like a second second team or something like that or a number two team like why do we I not know think i, I don't know enough of like it about his personality i know enough about sean mcveigh's personality i feel mm-hmm. like um but i don't know I, I, I mean, I think if I was a TV executive, I think I don't think Aaron Donald, 
I'd much rather hear football from Sean McVay than Aaron Donald. Because I think coaches in general, the whole coach's job is to explain their mind to other people. And that's really what an analyst should do. Um, And I think that's why I prefer the coaching analyst versus the quarterback analyst or former player analyst for the most part. And it may depend on role. Like I I think Booger wasn't great on Monday Night Football, but I think he's found a niche in doing all the stuff he does for ESPN that way too. So, yeah. Um, Anyways, I just thought that was interesting. It's been bothering me. Um, It's been floating around my my skull. Um, Anything else you want to add? No, sir. I waited patiently. Took my turn. See that? Okay. Um, I'm proud of you. Proud of you. I know. Um, all right. Here's my this week's old guy and guy, which is brought to you by you, Steve. What is your and not your best celebrity encounter? What is your maybe weirdest celebrity encounter? Interesting celebrity encounter? Offbeat celebrity encounter? Well, I don't know if I have interest. I mean, and and I wouldn't count an athlete here. Oh shit! Well, that was my best one. Um, well, uh, we can hear that one later. I don't know that I've had a lot of. I wrote I wrote to Howard Cosell and asked him to autograph a book and got that back like years ago, when he wrote a book that wasn't really an encounter. That was maybe that was a letter. Um, I don't know that I've met or en- encountered and engaged a lot of celebrities. You better go first, and I'll just look weak by comparison. My weirdest one was speaking of csi the guy that plays captain brass on csi he was Mm -hmm. also in spotlight was on the subway with him in new york city one time didn't realize it was him until like after and then i was like ah that's that's, that guy uh that type thing um my most interesting celebrity account encounter is one that didn't really happen and i regret it to this day but I was, this was when we worked in, I worked in DC. Our office was in Georgetown, which is right by the Four Seasons, which if you are a guest of the president, unless you are staying at the White House, you stay there. And I was walking down the street and this gentleman, a little bit older than you, was walking towards me. And I was like, God, that guy looks really familiar. He's wearing a Chicago Cubs hat. And I was like, why does he look so familiar? And he got from me to my computer screen away before I realized it was Bill Murray. Oh, okay. And I walked by Bill Murray and that is my, but I've also heard that like Bill Murray will, if you like, Hey, Bill Murray, how are you? Like he will be like, I'm not Bill Murray. Like I've heard that. (laughs) So good for him. That that was my, my thought process on that saying hello to Bill Murray. Maybe my weirdest one. And it was just, it was in the same room. Evil Knievel came to the Clearfield <laughs> County Fair. Okay. For like an autograph signing and something else. Um, obviously it was a dinner, like you paid to go to dinner and it was evil telling stories. So I forced Susan to go. We drove to Clearfield. God bless to, Susan. Yeah. And we listened to Evil Knievel, who must have been, it was only a couple of years before he died, um, do little stories and take a Q&A from the audience kind of thing. And then I bumped into my cousin there. And they weren't doing autographs that night. So I had brought, I had bought um, an album, like an evil Knievel. I like recorded an album in the seventies and I gave it to my cousin and he got it signed for me to Steve because we couldn't come back up the next day. 
like to do the actual autograph signing. So that was probably, uh... that was probably as weird as it got. And then the sports one was when I was writing, I wrote for the, I wrote um, the Steelers Super Bowl in Tampa. I had gotten a credential and Susan and Sam were in the stadium and Dan is, Danny famously had to stay behind for a basketball season. And we bought her off with an iPad, iPod, which she's still pissed about. Um, I, st- I got credentialed <laughs> and I went on the field afterward. And when I walked off the field at the end, I didn't have a big deadline. Um, I waited till the end. So I walked off the field. It was me, um, a security guard, Ben Roethlisberger and the Lombardi trophy, like coming off kind of together. That's cool. Which was kind of That's cool. It's cool. a good, that's a good memory. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Went to Mario Lemieux's sports or hockey camp and got to pass the puck with him. That was cool. I'm trying to think of any other. Most of my other ones have been Penn State ones. Uh, I've told the have I told the Bill O'Brien ice cream story on this podcast before? I don't know. I don't think so. So this would have been Bill's first year, which would have been my freshman year. Um, and we used to go take a take a bus down to Damon's um, for the radio show. show. Mm-hmm. And Bill O'Brien loved Nittanyville. He would he was obsessed with the idea that, especially during when he was the coach, that there were people that would camp out for football games. So he would pay for pay for our meals. Like we there were multiple times we didn't even have to pay pay for a meal. And then one night he came up to Nittanyville. But at the, the radio show, this was probably like week five or six. So he'd been at Penn State now for a solid however long. I guess February, late February, he was hired. Um, and the two girls basically asked him, Bill, what is your favorite flavor, cream or ice cream? And he's like, well, I have to be honest. I haven't had time to make it to the creamery yet to have their ice cream. So I, I don't know. So. These girls left the radio show pretty much then and there, like right after. And we get back up to gate A and then OB comes up and he gets back and the girls stop him. He recognized that they were the girls that had, they were, that had the, the question. And the girls go here, coach, we bought these for you. And they bought him all these different pints of creamery ice cream <laughs> to force him to try cream. And he couldn't believe that somebody was like, are these really like, is this really for me? Like thought that they were, somebody was pulling his leg, which I just thought was good a, for him. Shows how salt of the earth Bill O'Brien truly, truly was. Um, good dude. Um, all right. I was just curious. I figured oh, that's good. That's good stuff. I will say, remind me, I'll give you a Bill O'Brien story next week. So we'll have listeners that are okay. waiting this long. Look at this. I'll give you a salt of the earth Bill O'Brien story next week. That is a that is a tease. Um, I say basketball gonna ha- might hang on here. So against uh, Michigan State, so good for yeah, them. Good big W. Um. All right. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, this is another episode of the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Uh, we have an email. It's stuff summer says podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we have Twitter handles. Mine is at stuff summer says Steve's is at Steve Sampson. And other than that, five stars, subscribe, like all that jazz. We'll talk to you maybe next week, maybe not. We'll see. See ya. Bye.